Aloha, welcome back. Uh, DMP Pod. We got a milestone episode today. It is volume 60. Um, the day is June 1, 2022. Uh, took a week off and now we're back. As always, with my good buddy Al. How are we doing today? Spirits are high. Uh, back off a, a long weekend. Um, ready to talk some final stuff. Um, but yeah, how about you? I'm doing good, bro. It's always nice to have the long weekend. I'm double dipping actually too, because I'm on that that work schedule where I have every other Friday off. So I had yet Monday off, and now I get this coming Friday off. So it's a three day week for your boy. Um, so yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's 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 uh, a lot to look forward to, to say the least. There you go. Um, but speaking of Memorial Day, what what's the first thing that comes to your mind when you think of Memorial Day? I know it's traditionally the start of summer, right? Are you thinking Sorry, white summer. pants? Are you thinking fucking glizzies? What's the first thing that pops in your brain? Probably glizzies, white pants. I can bust out the linen. Um, mm-hmm, maybe mm-hmm. watch some uh, American Pride movies. Uh, and yeah, I guess overall, start of summer. Absolutely. Speaking of American Pride movies, you were tweeting that you went and saw the new Top Gun this weekend with our boy Mytel. Care to, <laughs> care to tell... Uh, a little quick movie review. What'd you think? Have you seen the original? I'm so, guilty of never seen the original. I've seen the original, but once, and I went into it as if I haven't seen it, if I'm being honest. Um, was I it needed? The, uh, not really. Um, maybe for the nostalgia piece. That was the only thing I would say is like, I would see Top Gun first. To, or I wouldn't even see it first at this point. It's like, if you watched it back in, you know, the 90s or if you watch in the 80s i read that the for the movie they had like the highest ticketing for timings before like 3 p.m in forever because all these old people are going to watch it because the movie came out in the 80s yeah um, i watched it at one o'clock so like i get why people <laughs> are watching it during the day Madden um, AB, wow yeah so hey it was a good it's exactly what you would think it is it's all the nostalgic pieces from top gun that even you haven't seen it but you know what i'm talking about with like Oof. the scenes the, the jokes the people um i'm assuming like the same sort of missions uh but no it was good it was funny it was got a little misty eyed towards the end which means Ooh. they did a good job at t- tugging at the heartstrings i like um, my tail did a great job tom cruise can't be beat and then uh <laughs> uh Sneaky surprise was uh, Lawrence from Insecure was in it. Did a pretty good job. We'll see how his uh, acting career progresses. But overall, two thumbs up from uh, from the old AB over here. I like it too. That's that'll be our rating system going forward. If we see something new, is uh, just amount of thumbs. <laughs> one thumb, one and a half thumbs, a thumb and a quarter. Yeah. So two thumbs. Two from like it. Two. Yeah. That's good. Let's go. The first thing I think of whenever I hear or or hear like Top Gun is uh, Meet the Parents. You remember like uh, Owen Wilson's creepy character, like used to call Ben Stiller's fiance. They would call each other like Goose and Maverick. Yeah. <laughs> even, even though they were engaged and then broke up and she's with someone new, they still yeah. had the Top Gun pet names. And it's just fucking Owen Wilson's face always pops up every time I hear, think of Top Gun. <laughs> I don't know. Think of, uh, I think of Shane Dog and Kenny Powers and Eastbound and Down. He's like, no, 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 I'm Goose. You're Maverick. <laughs> Goose Ride <right>. Solo. <laughs> God, what an underrated character. That was Sudeikis, right? That was Sudeikis, yep. Man, incredible. 
I got to rewatch Eastbound and Down. It's been too long, especially yeah. the Myrtle Beach season. Oh, that's the best one for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, enough foreplay here. Let's get into uh, the meat of the episode. <laughs> uh, we've been off for two weeks, so in our absence, the Warriors were finally able to close out that Western Conference Finals over Dallas, uh, which we all kind of knew was a little bit inevitable, but took them five games instead of a sweep. They fucked around in Dallas. Um and closed it out at home, which was uh, – or no, excuse me. Yeah, back at home mm-hmm. at Chase, which was uh, beautiful to see. The fans were giving Chuck hell outside in Thrive City. Um, got a little bit aggressive at the end, but uh, all, As all always. fun. Yeah. Um, but great game. I mean, it's it's yesterday's news now, so we don't have to get too far into it. But I thought the boys played incredible. Clay with an amazing bounce back game. Every time people are on Twitter saying that he's washed, he comes back and drops 30. Um, he, he played great. I thought defensively um, Curry was incredible as well as like pool. I don't know about you, but I noticed for sure pool was like super locked in on the defensive end as soon as he mm-hmm. hit the court, which bodes well going into the finals. Um, but I guess the biggest storyline was Steph winning the inaugural magic Johnson award. Um, <laughs> Fine. Hey, man, I was close about that Wiggins. I was close with that Wiggins prediction. I think everybody knew sure. Steph was going to win. Um, and I think Wiggins, If I mean, I don't think they would ever give it to Looney, but I feel like Wiggins is definitely runner-up. Um, he played fucking incredibly the whole series. Um, we'll get into it with the finals preview, but he gave me a ton of confidence in his ability to just be – steady for the most part um as the team's running around going crazy wiggins was always pretty steady um hitting big shots playing great defense um the one thing that stood out to me is they just didn't turn the ball over as much as they did in the grizzly series so that was like the thing that i pulled away that i was really excited about um because the way they were turning the ball over that first series or the series against memphis I, I think we still would have obviously got past Dallas, but if that kept up, I'd be really concerned going into a matchup with either Boston or Miami. Yeah, that would have been big, big, big trouble, especially with like the defensive prowess of both of those Eastern Conference teams. That would have been yeah. a mess. Um, another one, is another kind of like storyline is we got scoring playoff Draymond back. I mean, I know he's, he's he's definitely been putting in more work in the postseason on the offensive end, but I mean, especially in that closeout game, he he did his thing. Super efficient, six for seven from the field, one for one from three, perfect from the free throw line, um, 17 points. Like, he was just getting it done, taking strong shit to the hoop and finishing and ones. Uh, very nice to see with Draymond um, getting it done on that side going into the finals for sure. Yeah, I mean, he scored double digits all but all but game two um, where he put up six. But, I mean, 17 and then 10 the rest of the way, like – I think they said it was maybe more of a last year thing, but anytime he scores over 10 points, you can usually bet that the dubs are going to win a game. Yeah. And it just, it's good. I mean, he's, he's always had open looks. It's just a matter of like, are you willing to take them? And obviously in the playoffs, you need to take those shots more so than maybe in the regular season. And I mean, he's in the NBA for a reason. I can put the ball in the hoop, whether he might not want to, whether it's like ugly looking, mm-hmm. I still have confidence in his ability to do that when he is as open as they're going to leave him. So keep that shit up too. Yeah. Same. And it's funny. I think he said to uh, the TNT panel after the game, like I, I I shoot when it matters. Like when, (laughs) when the games are real and like it it matters, I'm going to score, which can be frustrating because it's like, why are we tricking off 
these fucking regular season cupcake games because you won't shoot the ball. But, you know, in the playoffs, you'll, you'll go ahead and drop 17. But exactly. it is what it is. He's doing it when it matters. And that's, that's what he's been saying. Right. Um, um, I did think it was funny, everybody's reaction to uh, Steph winning the MVP. I think, like, as a fan, we were all sitting there laughing, like, knowing he was going to get it. And it's like, there's his finals MVP that everybody's ragging on him for not having. Yeah. <laughs> and the second they named, they called his name out, like, Iggy gave him a funny look, said some yep. shit to him. Steph started cracking up. It was just a funny. I, I, I really enjoyed that moment. And then Dash Sean giving the, the, the trophy that was tight, too. Yeah, that was cool. Um, cause I, I still think it's kind of mysterious on what Sean Livingston's actual title and role in the team is. I know he's in the front office. Maybe he's like a player dev Scout guy or something. Right. Yeah. Um, but it's nice to see him around and still with the fellas and obviously they're still super tight, which is cool. And that's like really a cool thing with the Warriors organization, the guys that really put in work in those, in that championship run, if they want to come back, like Bob Myers has his arms open, whether it's. Yeah. Sean Livingston, Barbosa, Zaza, all these guys have a job waiting for them if they want, which is super cool. I don't think you can say that for most franchises. Yeah, I mean, going back to like when Bob took over, you have, and just like the whole Warriors organization, even if you include media, you got like Darrell Wright, Festus Azili on the on the media side. You got yeah. um, Barbosa, Zaza, Leandro, and uh, Livingston on it internal front office and team side so it's like and Dunleavy Dunleavy came back they just got Dunleavy back they're gonna keep I like it too I mean I'm sure every team has a a good amount of players that are behind the scenes that are former players but I feel like with the Warriors there's like they really lean into that um I mean it adds to the whole championship winning culture if you guys if you have guys that are willing and want to come back um after after all that success, it, it's like it says a lot for the tradition moving forward and molding mm-hmm. these young guys, which is cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so the Warriors closed out in five. They'll be they were waiting to see who who was coming out of the East. I think when they won, Boston was up three to two. They were going into Game Six that next day. Right, so it was three to two. So Classic Draymond got thing. up on the stand and did his thing. Yeah. Yeah, Shaq pressed him in the post game after they won. Like, who do you want to see, Draymond? I, I know you have it in you. Call it out. And Draymond said, well, it's not who I want to see. It's who we're going to see, and that's Boston. They're the ones that are going to win the series. After that happens, Miami and Boston play game six. Miami wins, and there comes old-ass Udonis Haslam <laughs> on his soapbox. Hasn't played a minute. Actually, let me look it up now while I'm saying it because I want to know how many minutes he's played all season. Um, UD. It can't be many, but I'm gonna uh, guess I'm gonna set the over under at total minutes. Yeah, total 12 and a half. Oh <laughs> uh, <laughs> man, where's my t- okay? Here we go. Season totals. So, are we not getting? I don't see minutes on ESPN. Bad well, podcasting here. We'll find this regular season. Oh, here we go. Miscellaneous totals. Where's my minutes? Well, he has one technical this year, so All right. that, that's got to count for something. But um, <laughs> long story short, Udonis Haslam is, what is he, 40, oh, 41? 20. He's playing he, – he did six minutes a game out of 13 <laughs> games this season. Okay. So, yeah, garbage time. Classic, yeah. classic garbage time. I know all about that. Um, 
So yeah, he he got up after the game and said, "What was his quote? It was like Draymond broke the code." And you don't thanks for the motivation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thanks for the motivation. Draymond broke the code. Um, don't talk Basically, shit about us. Blah blah blah. Right. Took it personal, um, which it is what it is. Feel how you want to feel. So they had that extra motivation going into Game Six. They they win, go back to Miami for Game Seven, and um, it was a pretty interesting Game Seven. I want. I mean. It was fun to watch. Any game seven is going to be entertaining, but Celtics had a pretty respectable commanding lead for most of the game. Um, Miami kept it close at some points, but never led the whole game. Yeah, I mean, for both, I both series was just like blowouts kind of back and forth. There wasn't really any like, I think game two for the dubs was like the best game. The rest were kind of like, quote unquote, blowouts. And then same goes for the Heat series. I still felt like both series were like really high energy and like really good series for the most part, like of the matchup and just happened to games just got away from them. Um, And that's how I felt about this whole Celtics heat series. But yeah, the game seven, I think this ran out of gas. Like Jimmy was hurt. They weren't going to get done, get it done without hero. Um, He played 48 minutes within. And then game six, he probably played 48 minutes as well. Like he's been playing, every second just to keep them in these games and you kind of have to when you're down to mm-hmm. uh, but yeah i mean like i said i said heat and seven um i was a, a missed three away from being right there so yeah. um all in all the same i'm glad we got the seven games that means it's more wear on the celtics um yeah me and, too that's what i was rooting for go seven yeah. play those guys more minutes tire them out yeah um, but speaking of missed threes Interesting storyline of this one was in the beginning of the third quarter, uh, Max Struess, who really has outplayed himself this this season. Shout out to Max Struess for um, shining, kind of. Uh, I mean, he, he hit a nasty missed streak for his jumpers for a while, but came alive in game six and played okay in game seven. But he hit a, a three on, um, on the sideline. And I think, what was it, like four minutes later or something like that? Yeah, it was uh, late. A Celtics player goes to the free throw line and they took the fucking three off the board. And I guess mm-hmm. the refs had reviewed it and said that his heel was out of bounds on his jump shot. And so they reviewed it without like, usually they'll review those things to see if it's a two or a three. I don't think I've ever seen it where like four or five minutes later, they completely wipe the bucket off the board and say it's no good. Um, also, it was I mean, for lack of a better word, an inconclusive replay. Like, I don't yeah. know how those refs were able to say he was or was not over that line. So, I mean, classic like replay challenge rules. You usually leave it as what was called on the on the on the uh, on the court. Right. Uh, so, I mean, did it? I mean, I don't think it necessarily decided the outcome of the game, but I would be pissed if I was a Miami fan for sure. What do you think about that? Super weird or orthodox. Yeah, and like. I agree with the whole, like, you never know if they're out of bounds. And it's, like, the whole, like, 2-3. They, they always obviously make those adjustments later in the game. Um, they should be doing it for these situations. I think, you know, if there is uncertainty, you kind of have to give it to the play that you originally called. And so I think, like, because there's angles where it looks like it's just a shadow on the line or, like, you know, there is some question, I think you just have to keep that shot on the board and and kind of go with it because like you said if you know we're going to get the replay we're going to get still images we're going to get look backs after the fact and if people can say his foot was not 
was his foot was above the line. That was a shadow that they're looking at. Like that's fucking massive. That's a, that's a trip to the finals that they just kind of squandered away. So um, yeah, it's, it's one of those things that happens so late or so early before the end of the game where it's like, of course you can't say that would have won in the game, but having those three points would have sure been nice for a team that was struggling to hit to fucking make a buck in the last five minutes down the stretch. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, they were down two with what, 10 seconds left when Jimmy pulled that three and they would have, I mean, who knows what would have transpired in the game if they left the points on the board, maybe, maybe the Celtics would have been up anyway, but technically they would have been up one in that situation. So I would definitely be pissed. Uh, I thought that was a weird random call that, kind of isn't being talked about enough, in my opinion. Um, I think more people are talking about uh, Jimmy Butler and his decision to pull up for three with down two, I think it was 10, maybe sub 10 seconds left, um, mm-hmm. out on a break with Al Horford and, and drop, yep. not, not up in his face. So let's just jump to that. What What are your thoughts on the, on the Jimmy Butler shot? I've heard it both ways. Um, what's your take on it? Being a shooter yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, I tweeted that it was a bad shot when it happened. I was like, Same. you know, Jimmy went a f- several possessions without even touching the ball, let alone making shots. He was fucking when, gassed. He was gassed. And so like when thinking of like needing rhythm, finding a good shot, also the fact that he's like a, he's been like a 30 ish, 30 below percent three point shooter. Like, a bad shot on paper however i do think given how the team was looking that was their only chance if they were going to if they were going to go to overtime they weren't going to win the game they kind of needed to get the win there and so like i don't hate the shot i think it was a bad shot um but i I don't hate it i think with a player like jimmy you take the good with the bad that's kind of who he is like he's never going to try to tie it up but i think at the end of the day i just think in his head he was like we need to win this now. We're on a run. We're kind of yeah. coming back. I think we're like they went on like an eight zero run. Yeah, it was like we need to we need to win this game. We can't go another mm-hmm. five minutes with Kyle Lowry flopping all over the place. His knee was probably given out. And if it went overtime, Jason Tatum wouldn't just put him to bed. So, yeah, you're right. And I reacted the exact same way when he pulled up for that three. I was like, what the fuck are you doing? I think everybody <laughs> was right. Like, yeah, take it to the rim. Like you, Horford is giving you. St- what was he backed off three, four, five feet? Like had yeah. so much space to make a move to the rim. Um, but after I heard like Spoh's post-game press conference and he was like, I love the shot. I love Jimmy. I love that that's what Jimmy brings. He's always going to take that shot. Like he's a dog. He wants to win. So, you know, like I- I'm good with it. Like, yeah, I'm, I think that it was, like you said, if, if they were going to win, it was going to be on a dagger like that. If they would have hobbled into overtime, it would have been no good for them. Yeah, they would have came out flat. Like Kyle Lowry would have fouled out trying to take another charge. Like they would not have made it through <laughs> overtime. And they were riding so yeah. much momentum with like stop after stop after stop. It's like you really only need to, you can only ride that way for so long. And I just think that like game time decision, Jimmy's like, fuck it. I'm just going to go for the win, having the yeah. balls that he has. And if it was someone like Oladipo, he had a few bad shots. I think it'd be a lot. It'd be taken a lot less worse. Where it's like, dude, what are you doing? But yeah, it's your best Oladipo, player. a smooth one for seven in that game. Yeah, it's your if best it, player. It's like yeah. you got to live with it, um, right? Regardless also, of how he shoots from the three. I'm also a firm believer of just like great players make great shots. So I'm definitely okay with your main superstar 
taking whatever, like whoever that is, if it's fucking, um, I don't know, give, give me another uh, superstar who's not that incredible of a shooter. Whoever it would be on another team, if they're pulling up for that three, but they are John Morant. If it was yeah, John Morant, John Morant, yeah. you know, like I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm okay yeah. with your best player decidedly on your team going for the win in a, in a big moment like game that, seven. You're at home, like he's exactly. He had a shot like that in game six. Like he, he's known to hit big buckets. Like he had everything going for him, and he just happened to miss it. Like yeah. it was a bad shot, yes, but I, I don't think it was the wrong shot for sure. Agreed. Um. <laughs> Another thing that we got to talk about in this game is last minute. Uh, the people that were scheduled to be on the call were the classic ESPN crew, which is Mark Jackson, Jeff Van Gundy, and Mike Breen, uh, Mr. Bang himself. Mm-hmm. And Mike Breen came down with COVID, so was not able to call the game last minute. They made an incredible substitution, in my opinion. They, they added my boy to the call, Mark Davis, who does a lot of the Kings games. I think he's just incredible as a play-by-play guy. Um, but I think everyone and their mother could hear that Jeff Van Gundy <laughs> had COVID. Like, oh my God. There's no doubt in my mind that he contracted the vid from Mike Breen because he was just miserable to listen to. He was much, I'll, I'll let you take it. I mean, you, you texted me about it initially. I, I had heard it and you text me. I'm like, yeah, like what's going on? How did this guy make it into the arena feeling like this? Well, at first I thought it was someone else. And I was like, is this the person they got in replacement of Mike Breen? And I was like, wait, no, this is, <laughs> this guy's doing color. So it has to be Jeff Van Gundy. And at first I thought it was kind of tripping. I was like, maybe it's just like his normal, like, you know, I don't listen to their games front to back on full volume. Like maybe it's just a, a weird moment, but it wouldn't stop. And it got worse as the game went on. Much and worse. my only guess <laughs> is that he had COVID first, gave it to Breen and kind of like went past like the CDC guidelines. And so where he still has like the after effects of like a congested nose, fatigued, and he just came out. If you didn't know he was in Miami, it sounded like he had like a scarf wrapped around his head and was like sipping hot tea in between each plays. And as the yeah. game went on, he sounded less and less interested. He, <laughs> he just sounded like an old whiny uncle, just like <laughs> sitting on your couch, like it's cold in here. Like, <laughs> dude, he sounded so miserable and whiny that it was like, dude, just someone get him out of here. Just like, go someone, home. <laughs> someone put Jeff Van Gundy to bed. Because I don't want to, first of all, I don't want to hear Jeff Van Cundy as a color commentator in any game. I think he fucking stinks. I don't like the games that he calls. But if you've mixed that with COVID and losing your voice and just sounding tired, whiny, and miserable, oh, I'm I'm fully out. Like, count me out on that for sure. It's almost like Mark Jackson would say something like, that's a big play by a big player. And Jeff (laughs) Gandhi is just like, eh, whatever. And it goes, all right, we're going to break. He just seems so un- he just seems so out of it. So uninterested. Just like your old tired uncle at like a at a family party, just like get me out of here. I'm done. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he was like the uh, the sick hungover substitute teacher. Like, yeah. let me let me put on a movie. You don't want to yeah. learn nothing today. I don't feel like teaching. Um, so that was definitely a, a, a wild viral Twitter moment. Uh, yeah, another thing that was going on. Unfortunately, it had to rain on Mark Jones's uh, big time parade, but I mean, yeah, Mike Breen's in the in the Hall of Fame, so I'm sure his his run's not going to go forever. Um, and Mark Jones better be next in line for taking that prime time spot because he's he's incredible. He really is. Although I wasn't really, I mean, it was understandable that Jeff Van Gundy wasn't responding to him in a positive way because he <laughs> was on his deathbed. But 
Mark Jackson, I think, was uh, not really receptive to the character of Mark Jones either. There, I remember distinctly there was one time, uh, I forget who he was comparing him to, but he said somebody on the Celtics, I think, reminded him of Dennis oh, yeah. Johnson. Yeah. <laughs> was it, it wasn't Marcus Smart. Was it Marcus Smart? Uh, it had to have been. I think it was, but he was like, oh, Marcus Smart reminded me a lot of uh, Dennis Johnson, Celtics legend. And, uh, and Mark Jackson responds with, or I think he said Celtics legend Dennis Johnson. For those that don't know, he's oh, I'm very aware of the great, great <laughs> Dennis Johnson. Thank you very much. It's like, damn, Mark, being a little sassy. Like, let Mark the new Jackson's guy a dickhead. <laughs> he is a fucking dickhead. Um, so I wasn't really excited about the reception that the legend Mark Mark Jones got, but hopefully it'll get better in the future. Yeah, I mean he's he's good for some good one liners, and and if you had to replace Mike Green with anybody, like. Mark Jackson's a perfect next in line. So yeah, my favorite uh, is like uh, when somebody will hit like the reverse layup, put a little English on it. Ooh, that's got to be jelly because jam don't shake like that. <laughs> Fucking I like love it. I like his. Uh, he's in his bag like there's fries at the bottom of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's like the one guy that has the uh, like the corny one lines that I yeah. admire and enjoy. Yeah, but a little bit of swag on it, just a little bit of like the culture yes. in, ingrained in it too. So yeah, he's also one of my favorite Twitter follows. I don't know if you follow him on Twitter. I don't. Um, but just it's the same shit that he'll say in a game that he'll tweet it out. It's incredible. <laughs> he tweeted out a photo of like him and his daughter's college graduation the other week, and he had on the fucking he had on a suit with the Balenciagas that looked like socks. I had to tweet <laughs> at him like, "Ooh, Mark killing him with the Balenciagas." I see you. Um, didn't tweet me back, but you know, we'll work on that. We'll get him one day. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's inevitable. Um, but yeah, with Celtics winning game seven there, obviously we're going to be playing Boston in the finals. So I think this was a matchup that a lot of people were looking forward to hoping for. Um, it always is a bummer when you make the finals as a team and you go against somebody that is perceived as less than, which I think a lot of people would have seen Miami as that. So depending on how that would have came out, if the Warriors would have been victorious, obviously you would have had all the stupid chatter on Twitter. Oh, they had the easy route. They didn't have to play this Boston team. Miami isn't as good, this and that. So I think getting the better perceived as the better team, um, you always want to beat the best team to be the champion, right? So, yeah. I I mean, outside of Milwaukee, this was like the next best option when thinking about like the team, the prestige, the the star talent, like the star players, like, First team All NBA, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown could have been All NBA player. Like, yep. you know, Al Horford, you know, Marcus Smart, Defensive Player of the Year. Like, it's a really good just list of names and players for this matchup. The storylines could go on forever. East versus West Coast. You know, New Age versus the Celtics. Al Horford's first trip to the finals in his long career. Which, by the way, shout out to Al Horford. I love Big Al. I, yeah. I love love him as a yeah. player. Super happy for him to make the finals finally. I think he's like 36 years old or something mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um still effective as fuck <laughs> he's so good it's crazy so good um i hate that we'll we'll have to be the ones to snatch the ring off his hand but you know it is what it is yeah um but yeah we split this series in the regular season one to one uh we played them pretty early on in the season when we were on a nice little run and beat them 111 to 107 that was a game where steph had 30 wigs had 27 um, so it was a nice convincing win. And then later on in the season was the game that I think a lot of people were talking about where Marcus Smart went and dove for a loose ball, you know, went into to Curry's legs, didn't mean to do it. Obviously, it was just a hustle play, but 
that knocked Steph out of, I think, the last nine games of the regular season. And Boston ended up beating the shit out of us in that game, winning by damn near 30, 20 points. So, yep. um, it's a good matchup. It'll be an interesting matchup. I think the defense that Boston brings and the size that they have in the middle, especially if Robert Williams is able to come back, is going to be tough to beat. Kind of reminiscent of the Memphis series. But uh, what's your what's your outlook? What's your take on this one? Yeah, I mean, like, I had a few notes written down of like what to look for and things like that. I think what I want, what I think we should start with is like how do we, or I guess we'll start with predictions. Like my prediction, I think Warriors in six. Um, I think at the end of the day, like our experience greatly exceeds what Boston has. Noah Young Boston has been to the finals. So that that's a checkbox there. Um, I think like injuries, health, stamina, like Boston's banged up. Like Marcus Smart has missed a game. Robert Williams is kind of on and off. Um, they did a game seven. They did seven games with the Bucks and seven games with the Heat. Both very, very difficult teams. They've gone through the gauntlet this whole Easter, this whole playoffs. So like yeah. there's a chance that some of their guys kind of run out of steam. And when you run out of steam, like your legs are going to go and they're a jump shooting team for the most part when thinking about like mainly Jason Tatum. Um, and so like, I think there's going to be a lot of things that need to go right for them. They need to play like stellar defense, which they will, like they're going to play really good defense. Um, and I expect them to, to, to steal one, maybe two games just off the, the skill of Jason Tatum um and Jalen Brown like they they're a good enough team where they can win two maybe even three games yeah I agree I think I think this one's gonna go seven I think this is gonna be a classic like shit our pants ruin our father's day hopefully not ruin our father's day but uh I mean I think it's I think it's gonna go seven hopefully we were able to win at home I don't care where we win I just you know obviously want to close it out but uh yeah I just think this team matches up well with us obviously and it's going to be a dogfight, and Jason Tatum is that dude. So mm-hmm. if anybody could will a team to win um, in this league at this time, I think it's I think it's him. Because unlike Luca, like Luca might be the the best, most talented young player on offense, but he's absolute food on defense. Tatum yeah. is not. Tatum yeah. is a really good defender and can guard multiple people. So the matchups are going to be interesting as well to see who matches up with who. So do you think we put wigs on Tatum? You have to. Yeah, you got to go wigs on Not Tatum. Trayvon. I'm sure they'll switch off here and there. Um, I think if they're going, like, it's either that or you kind of give Draymond the Grant Williams assignment and kind of let him rover. But I think, like, kind of similar to the Maverick series, it's like we need to be okay with Tatum going off. And it's like, can we make sure – that Grant Williams doesn't have like a 20 point game. Can we make sure that Al Horford's not banging threes like he yeah. did the last couple of series? Um, I think He's if we so can dangerous. lock that up, they're a slow team, they're a slow offense. So it's like they're gonna have these really slow possessions. And I think the way we switch, the way we move, like have Draymond kind of as like that rover anchor um to where he could put pressure on both Jalen on and Jason. And he has the ability, I think, to get out to Grant Williams, maybe contest some shots, but and also, I think you can switch that with Wiggins and kind of put him in the rover position. Um, but I think you put Wiggins on him, you get Clay on Jalen Brown, um, and that's all I really need to worry about. Like, is, is is how I think about it. Yeah, I'm comfortable enough with Steph D and up Marcus Smart, especially 
Like this era yeah. of Steph has gotten a lot stronger. Not saying that Marcus Smart is a huge weapon on offense, but like he's a strong ass dude and likes to take the ball inside. So now being that Steph has like committed a little bit more to defense in the weight room, I'm very comfortable with that matchup. Not too worried about Steph locking him up. Yeah, I don't think we'll play him off the court, but it's going to be interesting to see how our speed, like it's like who's going to control the pace. Is it going to be our speed right. and our our ability to go, or is it going to be Boston's like slow pace? If we keep it fast, like we can, there's a chance that we can run Horford and or Williams or not Williams, yeah, Robert Williams yeah. off the floor because you know without Looney on the floor, if you have like Draymond at the five, you get Otto in there, like we're going to run and it's going to put a lot on Big Al to keep up with that shit. So a lot of miles on those bodies. Yeah. It's going to come down to tempo. And if we can keep the tempo and pace how we want it again, you combine that with our switchability on defense, our experience, like I said, it's just going to be tough for us to lose four games out of seven. Yeah, absolutely. And to piggyback off like the whole play our way, our style with the pace thing. I'm just hoping that that doesn't force us back into like we mentioned earlier, the Memphis series, all those turnovers, that's the yeah. biggest thing that we can't let happen is to be careless with the ball and and turn it over like nonstop on offense. That's what's going to shoot us in the foot if it's going to be anything. Yeah, I forget who I, I don't know if I was reading something or someone tweeted about it, but they made a good point around like why like Memphis was so fast and caused chaos on the defensive end. Like that's why we caused so many, we had so many turnovers. Celtics, their defense isn't like that. They're very steady and solid. Discipline. And like they're disciplined. And so I do think, yeah, we still need to make sure we're not turning the ball over. I'm sure we'll have a game or two where we just turn it over like crazy. Um, but I'm not as worried about like the types of turnovers and the volume of turnovers that we had in game in the Memphis series where we would turn the ball over three straight possessions. And oh, like so frustrating. <laughs> yeah. I think that it's had to do with Memphis's speed. And I don't that like Boston doesn't have that. So, like, yeah. I feel good about that. But I do think, like, yeah, turnovers. And, and I was going to ask you, like, in what scenario do we lose this series? I think that that would have to be if they are able to control the pace and slow us way down and dominate on the inside, um, as well as cause chaos on on the defensive end and, and have the Warriors basically beat ourselves with turnovers. I think that would be the case of us losing the series is beating ourselves basically. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's the same. Every series is like, <laughs> right. are we going to beat ourselves? And like, how can we prevent that? Um, mm -hmm. What about, so what's your prediction? I said six. What do you think? You said seven. I'm going to say seven. I'm going to say, I don't want to get ahead of myself and predict a, a five game series or, or what have you. So I'm, I'm going to be um, a little bit steady on this one and say seven games. I like that. Yeah. Uh, also, another thing is Warriors are getting back some reinforcements. So yes, sir. we obviously lost Gary Payton in the Memphis series after that dirty play by that disgusting Oregon duck. Um, <laughs> we uh, Otto Porter went out during the Dallas series with a foot injury. And Iguodala hasn't played since, I think, the Memphis series with different back and neck issues. Uh, all those guys are on track and pace to come back, which is huge, especially on the defensive end, which, I mean, I don't think we need a whole lot of help offensively. So to be able to get Gary Payton back, I'm sure that we'll throw him on Jalen Brown and Tatum in different stints. Um, and to get Otto Porter back, basically playing like the backup big um, is gigantic. 
Yeah. Normally I'd say Gary Payton's the most important guy to come back, but the way Otto's been playing the glass, playing inside defense, like yeah, he's one of our more crucial bench guys, obviously outside of uh, Jordan Poole. Um, I'm so excited to get Gary back on the floor, but when Otto <laughs> went down in the Mavs series, I was like, oh shit, this is like the Otto Porter that always gets hurt. And yeah. you never know the severity of it. Like, Mm-hmm. He's got an injury history. Like I always knew Gary Payton was going to come back eventually in the finals. I think everybody kind of figured that yeah, he's a dog. Yeah, he's a dog. Um, but Otto was the one that had me the most nervous. So I'm, we need him to come back and we need him to play like he, how he has been playing where if he's open, he's going to hit, he's going to knock down the shot, but his like scrappiness on the defensive end on the glass has been like huge for us. And the offensive glass, like so yeah. many second chance points because of Otto Porter jr. Mm-hmm. Um, He's incredible. Another thing that we didn't mention is Steve Kerr finally went to the bench and trusted Belly with some uh, with yeah, some huge, I forgot about huge that. <laughs> rotation minutes against Dallas. He matched up well with them. Uh, I assume that we'll continue to see him in the finals. I think Steve made a comment after game four or five um, about the only thing he regrets is that he didn't go to Belly earlier because uh, he really didn't play much at all this postseason. He kind of fell out of the rotation. Um, so to have another big like that who can be a playmaker – um, and a shooter is is big, and hopefully that'll that'll come up huge in this series. Yeah, the the greatest thing that happened to us was getting our ass beat in Game Four against Dallas because we had that stretch of like eight minutes where we were just like, "Yep, yeah. we're gonna pack it in and play Moody, Belly, Kaminga, Damian Lee, and like Moody in particular and Belly in particular got really good minutes that they carried over into the next game, and you know, depending on the health of the Porters, the Beale- or the Paytons, and the Iguodala's. Like Moody's been fucking solid, dude. I'm, I'm, I'm young taking him ten times over Damian Lee. Although Damian Lee played well in Game Seven, um, it's just I, I'd rather go with the uh, with Moody when we can, and we'll see how John gets in there. He still seems a little lost out there, but Moody's yeah. Moody's solid. Yeah, no, it seems like no stage is too big for Moody, which is. So nice to see. Like he just turned 20 today. Happy birthday, Moses Moody. We love you. Um, <laughs> you're an animal. It's but, crazy. Uh, he's 20. He talks like he's 38. No yeah, dude. It's, he's I think got it's this Arkansas like old swag. man draw where like he'll ask a question. He's like, yeah, man, it's a pig's butt pork. I don't know. Like yeah. he just said shit <laughs> yeah. like that. Like, like it's he's Arkansas. like, it's <laughs> crazy. He's a, he's like a, a descendant of, of ISO Joe Johnson. Yeah, he is. They have that, that swagger and that confidence of a, 10 year vet and he's 20 years old. It's crazy. Mm. Um, the last thing I wanted to touch on regarding this series, as you mentioned earlier, is Damian Lee. Now, Damian Lee was getting a lot of shit. I think was it game three or four in the Dallas series where he, he went in. Um, <laughs> I think it was the series or the game where he stepped over Bertans and then he went tumbling and that may have been game had, two. Might have been game two, but he, yeah. whatever game it was, he just had this horrendous like five, six minute stretch where he must have, must have clanked like three to four jumpers, missed a couple defensive assignments, had a couple bonehead turnovers. And of course, Warriors Twitter, which honestly is fucking annoying. I really dislike Warriors Twitter, if we're being honest. We're just castrating him online. And oh, finally, Steve Kerr listens to us and plays Moody over him and gives him those minutes. Damian Lee doesn't deserve to be in the league. Nepotism, hepatism, whatever. You know what I mean? Where do you fall on that? You've been very um, known on this show to be kind of back and forth on Damian Lee with with your outlook. So where do, where do you see it now? Do you think it was that big of a fuck up? Can you trust him moving forward? 
I think you can trust his experience and his like veteranship, if you will. Um, that's a good word. I think like that's why he gets those minutes. I would say like he when you're rolling him out with like Moody with Kuminga, even with Jordan Poole, like you need someone who's got some like experience to them, both in age and just like time on the floor. And I think that's where Damian Lee really steps up. Um, I say it all to say like offensively, he's, you know, kind of a lot of times he can get kind of lost on the floor where it's like, you think he's a shooter, but he's not quite a shooter. Um, he kind of finds himself in like no man's land where he's like, now I got to put up like an 18 foot jump shot. There's three uh, seconds left on the shot clock. I don't want yeah. to have the ball, but it's with me for some reason. Yeah, like his his ability to get to the – like all those like offensive pieces that you want, he doesn't have. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think like he's useful. Like I think he's useful in those moments where you have a series of young guys on the floor. You just need someone that, you know, can bring some leadership. Um, I don't think he should ever be fully removed from the lineup. I think you can maybe – prioritize putting in other people before him um but he's also like you know on our bench like he's not like in our you know top eight rotation so it's like for what he is on the team like he's i'm very hard on him but i I do get why he plays sometimes i might disagree with it for how long he plays or when he comes in but i get why he's put on the floor right um that was a very political answer by the way it, it was. I'm, I'm proud of you. For all this, all this on. Grant Cone shit got me thinking <laughs> twice. <laughs> Fuck Grant Cone. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I've always been a Damian Lee supporter. I think it's fucking banana land that people expect him to be like a 50% three point shooter while being the ninth, 10th man in the rotation. Yeah. Like how, how good do you expect a guy to be in, in the nine, 10 hole on your team? And I understand that people would prefer to see Moody get those minutes, but as much as like veteran ship, that's my new favorite word. Now that you said it word as he dis- that Moody displays in such a young body, like there are times where Moody is gets lost or makes a, a mistake on the defensive end that Damian Lee might not make. He's a little bit more conservative in the way he plays. So um, I think he's going to be useful in the finals. He's probably not going to get as many minutes as he did leading up to it, but um, it just bugged me how much blame, people put on him and instantly want to ship him to like another country. Yeah. I I mean, in his, in the game, in game four, where he played 15 minutes, pretty much the whole stretch of everybody else. Like he was solid, put up six points had six rebounds. Dude, he has Um, been an animal on the glass this year. Like people don't want to talk about that. He's doing stuff that you need. Um, I mean, I just think like a casual fan would just want like, we want someone sick and we want someone that's going to score when we bring you like a bench. swaggy P type again. Yeah. And so it's Where's like, JaVale? yeah. So it's like they, they, you sort of gravitate towards that kind of player. But like you said, like the little things on defense, the, you know, that rotations. Boy, Chase is down loose balls. Yeah. Like his life it might look like he's going to fall on his face every time he runs. That's not, you know, but yeah. he knows, he knows how to rotate on defense better than Moody Kuminga might. Um, Right. So, like, like I said, veteranship is uh, Damian Lee's new middle name. I think that's what you got to name this episode. Veteranship Lee. <laughs> just veteranship. That's my new favorite word. <laughs> um, but, yeah, series starts Thursday. So, when you're listening to this, it'll be starting tomorrow in the Bay at Chase Center. Um, really important to take home both of these first two games. Are you going? 
YB will be in attendance. You motherfucker. Game one. <laughs> Game one. Sit up in the boonies, but I'll be in attendance. Good for you. Damn, yeah. I'm jealous. That's going awesome. with the fam bam. So it'll be a good time. Hell yeah. Nice, dude. All right, cool. Well, we'll have uh we're gonna have to give you we're gonna have to give you control of the DMP Instagram so you can uh live update everybody Ooh, while you're there. Yes, maybe sir. do some stories. Start interviewing people in the concourse. I think you should. Maybe maybe <laughs> go maybe go live. Yeah, uh, we'll see. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I think it's gonna be really important to take home both games at home. You can't drop, can't drop home court advantage in the finals. It's too damn important. So, I'll be cheering on from the comfort of my own couch, screaming at the television, and AB will be live screaming in person. I got a serious but not serious question for you. Oh, at what game does Boston's racism come out? <laughs> Is it game uh, three? Is it game question. two? Is it game six? I think if we win both games at home, I think it might come out game three, first game in the TD Garden. I don't think they can help themselves. I mean, because we played Memphis in, what, game four? We were getting knuckle-dragging shit from weathermen. Like, they were flipping off. It's going to be about Draymond. Yeah. Yeah, whatever it is, it's going to be about Draymond. I could see Draymond getting teed up in the TD garden, trying to set the tone and yeah. journalists are going to, and whoever yeah. weathermen are going to fucking run with it. So weathermen. Yeah, so game a, three will be the, uh, I think so. The racism. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well put by you. Um, so we'll keep everybody updated on that. Obviously by the next time you hear from us, um, we'll be well into the series. Uh, well, two games in, we'll be and, previewing uh, game three, game three. Yeah. Yeah. And, and going back to Boston racism game. Yeah. Um, but uh, that's all we got for hoops on this episode. Now we're going to. Oh, we got to give oh. a shout out to Gary Payton. So today or oh, Tuesday, yes, thank you. Thank you for it me. was announced that Gary Payton um, won the Bob Lanier Community Service Award for um, the service that he did in the community to helping support kids with learning disabilities, specifically dyslexia. Um, yep. There's a big push by organization to get him that award. And so. They surprised him at practice um, and shout out to Gary Payton for winning that. I mean, that's a huge, mm-hmm. huge thing to give back to the community, um, especially in this day and age where bullying's big, um, where, you know, just everything is difficult and to give back to those and shine a light on those who have any sort of disability or have trouble learning. Like it's really incredible for, for Gary Payton. He experienced it. He's very vocal about it when he was growing up. Um, so I always love when when our when our kind wins these uh these type of community assist awards. So yeah, me too. It's bragging rights for sure. Um, mm-hmm. and learning disabilities are fucking tough. Like two of my best friends have dyslexia. It's a really really rough thing to grow up with, um, and to like identify and then work with moving forward. So for him to show this kind of awareness and like show the kids that have a tough time reading, like I'm I'm with you. I I have this as well. I I fucking love that. Um, so big shout out to GP too. Love what he's doing. Young glove. Yeah. Um, big time. So, um, so now that we've talked about all the hoops that we can talk, all the hoops, hoops. we, we will be moving on to everyone's favorite segment. What, what are the boys watching? The new segment, what are the boys watching this week? We're going to be talking about the new HBO miniseries called we own this city. Uh, this is created by the same creator of The Wire, David Simon, um, based on a true story, 
based on uh, the federal arrest that came out in like 2018, I believe, 2017, about crooked Baltimore cops who were basically violating the fuck out of Baltimore residents' Fourth Amendment rights, um, planting shit on them, stealing, just pulling people over for no reason. Um, And I've finished the series. AB, you have gotten as far as episode two and a half. Two and a half. Two and a half. So I'm not going to say too much. I don't want to spoil it, but um, easily, easily one of my favorite new shows that I've seen. Uh, obviously, it's going to be one season because it's about a real story. It's a mini series, so there is not going to be a season two. It's this these six episodes, and it's done. And I thought they did an incredible, fantastic job. If anybody has watched The Wire, um, I would say this is The Wire meets Training Day in the best way possible. Very and- good assessment there. Thank you. I appreciate it. I've been workshopping that. Uh, <laughs> but uh, what's cool is that they, we were talking before this, that David Simon, I'm pretty sure, really likes to be authentic when he casts his shows. And you could see that in The Wire. He casts a lot of people that were from the Baltimore, DC, DMV area. And he's recycled a lot of the actors from The Wire and kind of like repurposed them in this show. So it's one of those things where you're watching and you're like, oh, hold on a second. I know that fucking guy. And that happens throughout the entire show. And you get to see these actors range and they're not going to play this guy anymore. They're playing the new guy. Um, so first impressions, AB, of We Own This City. What are we thinking? Yeah, well, well shout out to the Splash Brothers Luncheon for, for putting you on, who then put me on. Um, shout out Hurricane. When I first saw the show, when we were watching the Winning Time series, I always saw like the ads for it. I was like, this is just like a, a weak-ass fake reboot of The Wire. <laughs> Um, so we got some good words on it. So started checking it out. I was very wrong. Um, <laughs> this is great. I think the fact that it's, it's, I think training day mixed with the wire is the best way to put it. Um, more emphasis on the cops, more emphasis on like dirty cops, like in training day, whereas, you know, the wire is more, more emphasis on like the drug dealers and the street and then the cops trying to take them down. So it's, it's a good mix or a good like counter to what the wire was. Um, it's very relevant. It's a, it's an extremely relevant uh, subject, not only in the sense of like when this case was was put out, which was what in 2017, 2018, think, which is I think not they got arrested. Ago. 2018, yeah. Um, like you said, it's real characters, real name, real plot. So like that alone kind of puts me like into it. And then just the way this yeah. the the story and the, the plot is is crafted, it's like there's some good, like, in the same way that the wire's funny with, like, the characters and the lingo and stuff like that, like, I find yeah, this just as funny. For sure. The um, regionalness. It's also hilarious. Yeah, the regionalness. <laughs> it's also hilarious. I don't know who from the wire is going to be in this. Every time someone new comes up, it gives me a nice little laugh throughout the series. Yes. Um, and, yeah, like I was saying before the show, I was literally reading an article this weekend about corrupt cops in East LA, and then I'm watching this show now about corrupt cops in Baltimore. So it's very relevant to what's uh, going on in today's times. Um, so yeah, overall, if we're going back to the ratings, two thumbs oh, up, boy. Yeah. What was the? Uh, <laughs> it's like the opposite of the the Rick James from Dave Chappelle. I wish I had more. What is that? I wish I had more, more hands. hands so I could give them titties four thumbs down. I wish I had more hands so I can give more thumbs up on this show. Like 100%. as I mentioned, this is the best show I've seen in a very long time. Um, John Berthnall, who was in The Walking Dead, plays the main character. Sergeant Wayne Jenkins, who is just a, a bad cop um, on the GTTF. Uh, that's the squad that this show follows. It's the Gun Trace Task Force, who is basically 
plainclothes cops who are after guns and drugs. So these guys are dressed in plain clothes, got the Baltimore PD bulletproof vests, and they are just fucking ripping and running whatever they can do, whatever they can find. Um, that's, that's basically their job. And uh, they do most of the time in these shows, like you mentioned with the wire, it's got like the predetermined bad guys as far as the street and the drug dealers. And then you are kind of conditioned and supposed to root for the police to catch the bad guys. And in this show, it's nice because it is a true story and it is relevant, but you kind of, it flips on you and you're dealing with crooked cops and you're, at least I am very uh, vehemently rooting against these, these crooked ass cops, um, which I feel even luckier watching this show, not have to live in a place or deal with this kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, with the privilege that I have, that I have, but it is fucked up. Um, yeah. A lot of the stuff that goes into the show and a lot of the things that they um, act out and just on YouTube, you can see things that happen in the show, scenes that they've recreated that they have yeah. on camera phones. I mean, fuck um, it's 2018. So it's everything has been recorded exactly. and posted to YouTube mm-hmm. um, for these reasons. Like there's, yeah. you know, you, you always think about like, cops planning people like back in like the 90s and which led to like a lot of like the racial problems down back in that time and it's like a that shit's still relevant and b like you see how egregious there are they are about it in this show to where it's just Mm -hmm. like a lot of stuff we kind of like only really seen in like movies and shows but to have it come from like real stories and real perspectives makes it that much more like as shows would be gritty or as you will or authentic and so Mm -hmm. um yeah highly highly exceeded my expectations um me too as, again as a resident non-watcher of shows um <laughs> i'm hooked to this one so i will be keeping up to it. speed i'll probably finish the series by the end of this week and mm-hmm. um look forward to talking about it some more for sure yeah we're gonna have to recap next episode i'm gonna be honest by then i'll probably watch it a second time <laughs> it's one of those shows where in the pilot the first episode they kind of tarantino it um, where they, they kind of show you like what happens in the outcome and then and then they go back they switch um, back and forth with timelines a lot but they I love the, a lot but I love the way that they do it because the way that they do it they show uh, the main character Wayne Jenkins time card and what mm-hmm. he's charging to in the date and it'll go to that specific like traffic stop or drug bust or whatever but it shows you what year it is it'll show him in a different hairstyle or like different uniform depending on what squad he's on so you can really like differentiate um what's happening and when it's happening yeah that part the whole like the whole way they're jumping across the timeline is 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 incredible it's like it's hard to keep up at first i'm not gonna lie like even to you just saying that like he's doing his like punching in his time like it took me a while to realize what they were doing and how they would jump to that part of the story and sometimes it's just like a a couple minutes of a clip and you don't even know what's really happening you kind of see him in this time of of his career and sort of how he's sort of learning the trade learning about what's good what's bad and how it's sort of put him to where he is today which is clearly getting um you know put behind bars but yeah don't want to spoil too much but right yeah but i think if you look it up (laughs) yeah and i mean obviously when you do this type of show you have to I guess even if it's a bad guy or an antagonist, you have to humanize them, which I think yeah. they do a really good job with this guy showing kind of like where he started, why he changed what he did, why he did what he did. Um, and they really do show like the roots of the how corrupt 
the Baltimore Police Department is and that it's not just like this one guy who masterminded this scheme. Everyone was trained to do this. Like, yeah. And I know that like this goes for pretty much not any job, but a lot of jobs where like you're this brand new employee eager to work, eager to like do your thing. And you go into your, yeah, you go in for your first day after you went to like training, corporate training. And the guy that you're supposed to like put, like hitch to his coattails is like everything they told you, throw that out of the fucking window. This is how we do things here. And (laughs) you could, you could see that with any work environment that you go to. I'm sure you've experienced that. I for sure have. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's that part's really crazy to see. Like you said, humanizing uh, Wayne Jenkins throughout his career as a, as a cop is, is really well done. And yeah, it's, it's just like, it's company cultures. And I think what you think that it's just him and throughout the series, you just learn that it keeps going up and up and up at the top and just shows that like how toxic this shit can be and the effects it has on a low income community like Baltimore to where we've seen, you know, obviously we know about like the Freddie Gray stories, but there's so much shit that we have no idea um, about what's going on. And I do like the, the element of it where, um, I forget her role, but Nicole Steele, who's like the uh, civil rights person working for the DOJ doing like the story. Oh, yeah. She's great. She adds a great element to it where she's like non-investigative from like a criminal perspective and just like writing about the story and sort of how she's going around interviewing people, talking to both good cops and bad cops and everything in between. Um, yeah, it's it's very well done. And it's it's great how like The Wire was so like, homicide unit drug unit let's get these guys and this is like no these guys are fucked <laughs> yeah these guys are not good people <laughs> yeah fuck and, mcnulty like i've always said <laughs> yeah exactly these guys are just like shitting all over any trust that like the community they're supposed to serve has in them um, yeah. and you see it clears day in the show that like they've lost it all nobody in the in the city of baltimore will trust um the police department for good reason once you kind of finish the show and do your own research and see what happened there yeah um but great show so far. Uh, I'm excited for you to finish it so we could talk about the rest of it. But uh, that's the first half of what the boys are watching. <laughs> I love that segment. <laughs> <laughs> it's a recurring segment. Um, yeah. But yeah, that'll that'll pretty much do it for this episode. You got anything more you wanted to throw in there or, uh, or chat about, my guy? No, I mean, I guess the last thing is is not done on a bad note, but I know we, we the reason why we didn't have that episode last week is we just thought it was a little bit in bad taste to kind of hop on a pod and you know talk about Our basketball jokes. and sports with the news coming out of the shootings in Uvalde, Texas. So um not here to give a ton of words other than just like how bad that has been. And so we just felt like taking a time off to kind of just I don't know, just take a break. Um but also not just feel like this is just something that we need to just like gloss over and just get into talking about fucking sports and TV shows and shit like that. So for sure. um, again, for this episode, obviously you wanted to bring it up and, you know, I would say don't have the answers, don't have the words. It's fucked up what they did down there. Um, really feel for all the victims um, more and more stories about how the police down there have been handling it. So it just makes even more of a terrible situation, but yeah. Yeah, just figure we had to let that out. Not that we didn't forget about it or wanted to gloss over it. This is serious shit. Um, but yeah. like I said, we didn't feel like we needed to talk about the Warriors last week when that was happening. Yeah, real shit was going on. And uh, you, I mean, I think I can speak for both of us. We really wanted to kind of like just 
sit and feel uh, what went on and not have to feel the need to fucking crack jokes. Um, and it wouldn't have been funny. Like, <laughs> no, like, it would not have been. So, yeah, uh, yeah rest. Thank you for bringing that up. Slipped my mind. Rest in peace to all the victims and um, praying for still praying for all the families that were affected by this. I couldn't even imagine the stories that are continue to come out are uh, disgusting and depressing. So, um, yeah, rest in peace. I guess that's how we'll we'll end this episode. And um, we'll catch you guys next week. Hopefully we'll have some good news about the dubs. Yeah, let's get it. Finals time, baby. See you guys yes, next sir. week. All right. Take it easy. Peace.